0: to be a fly on the wall it's the ACDC Beyond the Thunder podcast with your thunderous hosts Kurt Squires Greg Ferguson and everyone
1: Welcome to this Guinness Book of World record setting, chainsaw-wielding, dirty little episode of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, a show where high-profile fans get to share their affinity for this Australian band and how they've been influenced in such weird and wonderful ways. From CEOs to classical musicians, tattoo artists to tribute bands, and rappers to wrestlers, we're here to find out the secret sauce behind one of the biggest bands on the planet. I'm your host, Kurt Squires, alongside our trusty engineer, Eric Kielb,
2: and my fellow compatriot, Greg Ferguson. What's up, Greg? Hey, Kurt. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. Uh, We got an interesting one today. Uh, We're going to be talking to quite the character, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to track this guy down, even when we started rolling for the documentary
1: years ago Greg and the reason being he befriended Brian Johnson in a way that no one had done before doing some studio work with him writing songs with him sharing the stage with him so that's
2: kind of an inside uh, inside scoop I wanted to get yeah very cool you know in prep for this I've been listening to Jackal all week and you know this band is definitely they're the ambassadors of fun I mean what a party band. you know, I never got the opportunity to see them live, and I'm hoping that I can kind of check that box soon. Uh, Kurt, I know you've seen them live.
1: Yes. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to bring that up with uh, Jesse. He's a true entrepreneur, uh, and there's a lot more behind the chainsaw for sure. Cool. Let's get into it. Today, ACDC Beyond the Thunder welcomes lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist for the southern hard rock band Jackal, formed in 1991, currently featuring the Worley Brothers' And Roman Glick. He's also the star of Full Throttle Saloon, a TV series set in South Dakota featuring the world's largest biker bar. He owns a line of alcoholic beverages, including beer and bourbon whiskey, the founder of Mighty Loud Entertainment, a record label and artist management company. He's also a solo artist and all around entrepreneur. Let's just call him a rock and roll outlaw, listeners, but most importantly, a fellow ACDC fan, please welcome to the show, Jesse James Dupree.
0: Hey, guys. Good, good morning. It, uh, in, uh, who's, I got to ask the question, who the hell's not an ACDC fan?
1: <laughs> it looks like we got the right person for the show, Greg.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you,
1: you were born in North Atlanta, Georgia, correct?
0: Yeah, I was born in, uh, I was actually born down in Atlanta at Piedmont Hospital. And then uh, we moved up to the north side up uh, used to be up in the country and uh up here, you know, north of Atlanta, about about twenty twenty five minutes north of Atlanta. Used used to be the country before all those damn Yankees started moving in. And uh <laughs> but uh but it's hard, you're hard pressed to find a good southern accent around here now. Yep. But uh yeah we uh yeah we I, I grew up up here and uh it, it it really has exploded though in in the last you know especially in the last couple of decades the population of Georgia just in general just popping and doing great and he lived a couple of years in Gadsden, Alabama. Uh, my dad, in 1971, lost his job at Lockheed Aircraft, and my dad didn't have a tenth-grade education. So the fact that he had been hired on at Lockheed Aircraft with a union job was a big deal. And but so when he got laid off, he freaked out, and he sold everything we had, including my bicycle. Oh no! and uh, oh, and, and we and we and we moved because I was just a little fella, and we moved to uh, Gadsden, Alabama. And uh, my dad bought a little cafe there and, and he couldn't even boil water, but he bought a little cafe and uh, about a quarter of a mile down the road from a steel plant. So in the cafe was mainly supported by all of the truck drivers that drove those 18 wheelers that would haul steel across, you know, all over America from the steel plant there in Gadsden. My dad, he, and this was back, you got to realize, I mean, it, it was in the sixties that, that, that you know that that restaurant franchises were starting to pop up like the McDonald's and the Kentucky Fried chickens and stuff like right, that right yeah. and so my dad bought that little cafe and and instead of opening the cafe right up, he went to work for Kentucky Fried Chicken because he was going to steal the Colonel's recipe <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but uh but back then they used to quarter their own chickens, so he was having to cut some chickens and he ended up cutting his hand and so he said, screw this and uh, he, we just we specialized in farm-raised, grain-fed catfish, and and uh, at, the, at the restaurant and a little cafe. But in that cafe was a jukebox, and uh, and the guy would come and change the 45s out, you know, periodically. And and uh, but on that jukebox was all the greats, you know, everything from the Rolling Stones to Deep Purple to Joe Tex and and James Brown and Wilson Pickett and. You know, just all these great voices coming out of the speakers on that jukebox. And, and I'd left all my friends back in Georgia, you know, 12 years old, 13 yeah. years old. You know, I found uh, a connection with that music. And I, I we lived in a little mobile home trailer on the backside of that asphalt parking lot. And I'd take those 45s and I'd wash. I kept them in a – they used to have these little five-gallon pickle barrels that, that our little dill pickles came in that we put on hamburgers. <laughs> and I'd wash those pickles. When they'd get empty, I'd wash those five-gallon buckets out and clean them up and then I would keep my 45 records in those in those buckets and but I'd take that uh, those 45s back to my back of the room in that little mobile home and I'd spend all day in there trying to imitate those great Voices coming out of the, the stereo, you
1: know. Oh my God. Did, can you give us an impression of Joe Tex?
0: Yeah. I got you. Oh, uh, 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 Thought you got away. Now, did you? Well, now, do you hear? Come on. Talk to me day that you quit your boyfriend. I'll be the next one to ease on in.
1: Oh my God. That was awesome. Oh, that was great. Great.
0: He was the greatest voice. Yeah.
1: Uh, how How long did it take for people to discover that you could actually
0: carry a tune? Well, I mean, that's still debatable, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I get I've gotten away with it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I I was always just wanting to be a guitar player. I, know, I never give a damn about singing. Initially, I re- really primarily focused on, you know, on the the great guitar players like Billy F. Gibbons, you know, I mean oh, that guy. Yeah, classic. Yeah. You know, when 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 Eddie Van Halen came out, I literally just I hated life. I mean it just made me so physically sick. Because it, not because of, of what Eddie did. I mean he was a genius and he was uh, and obviously a legend and, and and phenomenal. I mean what a what a guy that changed everything. But that's what I hated was that every single you know little guitar player in you know, in the world was trying to do those fret taps and stuff. Right. And 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 and, and that's something that you do after you learn how to be Billy Gibbons and hold a G note and make somebody go to their knees, because Billy Gibbons has got more in his left hand than any other guitar player, you know. But same thing with Angus, you know. Angus has got one, more in his left hand than the average bear, you know. Right. You know, there's no fret taps and that kind of stuff going. On. Again, nothing against Eddie Van Halen. I just felt that it really distracted people away from, to me, what was important. For a guitar player, which was having a little bit of soul and feel, again, not that Eddie didn't have it, Eddie could break down and get bluesy, but again, every, you know, everybody that could learn how to tap on a fretboard just went from zero to a hundred. They they missed everything in between. Right. The only reason I ever started singing was because I'd be standing there wanting to be a, a great guitar player. And the singers that I had would say the dumbest stuff in between songs. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and you would want to crawl under the drum riser, right? Because it was embarrassing. Or they couldn't keep their voice. So it was always a bunch of drama about my voice, is gone, or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, right. God Almighty. So between them not keeping their voice and saying stupid stuff in between songs, I finally just said, how about I'll just do it. <laughs> when was
2: the first time that you heard Angus play?
0: Oh, God, I mean, uh, I'd heard ACDC songs, you know, and I mean, like like so many people, you know, I mean, everybody was exposed to what they were doing with Bond and we'd all been touched with it and stuff, you know. And and uh, to the extent that, you know, that it it was bothersome when you found out that we'd lost Bond, when you hear Back in Black, I mean, it's just it's a game changer. Right. And so, you know, so I'd heard Angus before, but you asked me the first time I ever heard Angus was the first time I heard, you know, Back in Black because that's when you really, that's when you really stopped and said, okay, game on.
1: I heard that as a teenager, like many of us growing up during the early concert going years, that you camped out for a couple of nights to be front row for the Back in Black tour. How did that moment change your life?
0: Yeah, I mean, I i, I, I did. We used to go down, there was a, back when uh, the, the Ticketmaster kind of model was getting established, we, you know, you didn't have computers online, you know, we didn't have computers at home or anything. So you'd have to go down to the to the ticket office, and where I lived, it was in the mall, and it was back in a little back cubby of the Rich's department store. It was like a clothing department store. Right. There was like a little inset cubby back there with a little ticket window, but you had to walk through, you know, all the women's clothes and men's clothes to get back to where that section.
1: <laughs> I was. totally remember that.
0: As soon as we heard that there was going to be a major concert, and if it was ZZ Top, or if it was Ted Nugent, or Aerosmith, or whoever, and we'd rush down to Rich's, and we'd take a note, a, a spiral school notebook, and we'd try to be the first one there. Right outside the mall, kind of underneath the parking garage. So we would rush to be the first ones there, so that we could put our name at the top of the list. And you started the list. Now, if somebody else beat us down there, then we'd put our name on the list, and we might be three, four, five, six, ten, whatever. But you always, we always tried to be down there to be the ones that controlled the list. And then the rules were that, you know, we did a roll call, you know, every hour to make sure everybody was there. And then, and you could, you were allowed to have somebody stand in for you one time.
1: Man, the blood, sweat and tears.
0: But that was all just kind of a, an honor system that that everybody, and, 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 but we, everybody got to know each other. We seriously, I mean, that became a family, but as soon as the mall closed in the evening, that damn, that damn parking garage turned into a damn party. Yeah. But we'd always score those, you know, those good front row tickets and stuff. And, but yeah, we camped out two nights to get back in black tickets when it came out.
1: What a flashback. I totally remember those days. I, I don't know if I missed them or
2: not, but maybe I do. <laughs> it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears involved. But um, Oh, yeah. I mean, you were, you'd be invested into a show by the time you got tickets. I mean, you have days camping out for them. When you finally put that band together, did you set out with an A C
1: D C formula in mind, the band that you had sort of fallen in love with?
0: Well, well I mean we did love A C D C but we loved a lot of stuff. we loved albums like uh, Aerosmith Rocks album. That was that, that Rocks album is there's Amazing. something evil about that record. Yeah. And um I mean they 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 were doing some you know, they were kissing the devil on the lips with that record. <laughs> and um uh, <laughs> and uh, we would go out and we played all of our original. We were really hell bent on playing just our stuff. But then, you know, like for noncore we'd come out and we'd do like the Aerosmith Rocks album or we'd do the Back in Black album or we'd do uh Ted Nugent, the double eye gonzo kind of stuff, you know. Right. And um but that was before tribute bands, but we just come that's we, we kinda did that before anybody, if you want to I say I take that back. I can't say we did it before anybody. I'm saying we <laughs> I don't remember any tribute bands back then to speak of, right? Right. But that was just because we loved, and we were just absorbing that, the, the voodoo that's on those records.
1: Right. That's a good way to put it, voodoo. That's, I like that. Well, from those catchy staccato riffs and blue-collar anthems to that Brian Johnson rasp, and you even have the little devil tails on your uh, guitar straps, and or is it lightning bolts on your guitar straps?
0: Those guitar straps, uh, those are NASCAR seatbelts those are uh, there's a company called impact
1: that's great that
0: makes those seatless so and, and so we because regular guitar straps break so damn easy
1: oh that's phenomenal <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you always had those little acdc hints uh when first starting out and you famously took a similar riff from acdc's the jack and lovingly turned it into I'm a lumberjack during which you perform a chainsaw solo and it essentially became your calling card. Do you think you were inspired by seeing ACDC and all of those uh, props, the Hell's Bell, the 21-gun salute, uh, all those theatrical gimmicks? Was that kind of a game-changer for you?
0: Absolutely. I mean uh, we we were inspired by so many bands. I mean, mean, uh, but ACDC were out there in in the middle of all. I mean we were also you know, we came out, and you know, people compared us to Black Oak, Arkansas. And to be honest with you, you know, for me being so close to it, I've never, you know, I've never re- written something and tried. Matter of fact, I don't think Down on Me or When Will It Rain or, or, uh, uh, or Dirty Little Mind. I don't think any of those songs, which are, were some of our biggest hits. You know, I don't think any of those really sound like acdc but at the same time i'm flattered because of my singing style and because we're just we celebrate the fundamentals of rock and roll and that's what it's about you know right
1: Hey, just a quick pause in the episode. As you know, ACDC Beyond the Thunder is free of advertising. But if you love the program, please consider donating as little as $1, $3, $5 to the show. And 100% of those profits goes directly to the Make-A-Wish or Nordoff Robbins Music Therapy Foundations. Simply go to beyondthethunder.com, hit the charity button, and that's it. We salute you
0: there's been a couple of instances where I've touched on stuff and I went, whoa, that's ACDC. So like (laughs) there's a song called kill the sunshine. Right. And I'd written kill the sunshine or I'd written the music for it, but I couldn't do anything with it because it's so blatantly ACDC. And, uh, I, and I just, I couldn't feel good about it. And then Brian was up at my house after he and I got to be friends and I started playing the guitar and I was playing kill the sunshine and he and I wrote Kill the Sunshine together, and that gave me a license for us to be able to record it and play it because otherwise that song steps across the line. That is so blatantly ACDC that that I couldn't have done it with a clear conscience in in any other way if Brian had not worked with us on it.
1: That's interesting. I was wondering—I know you had worked previously with Brian, uh, and I was wondering— if Brian was kind of getting itchy to be creative and write some lyrics again. So he must have been psyched to do that with you.
0: It's a funny story because I've got all the demo tech tracks of us, you know, because it was just a drum machine and my guitar. And we're, we're, I'm just looping it around and he's got a microphone and he's smoking his hand-rolled black tobacco cigarette and drinking his, his Heineken, and, and, and we're in the studio just me and him, and the guitar and the drums are blaring out of the studio speakers, and, and then his voice, you know, just, you know, he's doing his thing, and uh, but he's scatting. He wasn't singing anything. He was just scatting. Right. You're just kind of finding a melody, you know? Right. But then every now and then he'd blurt out, he'd say, You are my sunshine! <laughs> and it sounded so amazing. But I'm sitting there thinking, how do I tell the singer of ACDC that I don't necessarily know if I want to sing You Are My Sunshine? (laughs) And uh, and, and so he just keeps scatting, and every now and then he'd scream out, You Are My Sunshine. Everything he was doing sounded so good, even though the stuff he didn't have words to. But I was still worried how I was was going to address this with him. And he goes, give it a playback, my son. He goes, let's listen to it and see what we got. So I'm playing it back, and, and every now and then he'd blurt out, you, are my son. you know, it's coming back out of the speakers. And he looks at me, and he goes, I think we're on to something here. He goes, but we got to change that line. Yeah. They'll think you're a bit of a puff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so I great. Thought, Thank God. So he, and he looked at me, and he goes, I know. We'll kill all the sunshine, because I'm the king of the nighttime. And he started laughing. And then Lock and Loaded we wrote together. Right. And uh, that was another song that, you know, I could have probably never gotten away with that one had I not written it with Brian because, you know, it, it obviously, you know, so strong ACDC sounding and song and, and for he and I to sing back and forth on that, you know, everybody had always compared the two of us. And you can hear that we both, you know, power up, but yeah. you very much hear that that I sound like me and, and Brian Johnson is by God, the almighty Brian Johnson. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, just what a, what what a, what a great honor it was to, to perform with him on that.
1: Yeah. The trade-off between you two is pretty stunning, not only because you guys are vocal doppelgangers, but it's really a vicious tune. I love that song. I can't get enough of that tune.
0: Well, we, 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 we had written it together and I was going to sing it by myself for a Jackal album. And I called him and said, we're going to record the song tomorrow. And he says, well, I'll be I'll be straight up. I'll come straight up because he was in Florida. He goes, I'll be straight up tomorrow. And I said, okay, great. So he uh, comes up to the house, and we're all in the studio, and I'm singing the song. And what you going to do when the sun don't shine and the moon don't rise up bright on time? What you going to do? And it's just a lot of words. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out where I was going to breathe and, and how I was going to hit everything. And he was walking around kind of nervous and I'm, and I'm to the point that I was thinking, God, I must be sucking <laughs> because I could tell something was kind of pulling at him. And after a little time went by, he looked at the engineer and he said, give me a microphone. So then I thought, okay, now he's going to show me how to do it. And uh, so he comes over there and he grabs the paper, the lyrics, and he goes, you sing this line, I'm going to sing this line. You sing this line, I'm going to sing this line. And I was like, what? You know, and then, uh, so we did it and it turned into a party in the studio. I mean, we were just, throwing down.
2: Wow. And,
0: uh, and, we, and we did it until we were both just exhausted. So the next morning, we all get up, and Brian cooked us all breakfast because he's a great cook. Wow. And we're hanging out and talking, and, and then we make our way up to the studio, and we go in, and Mike Frazier, who's a legendary engineer that does ACDC and Metallica and, and just all these legendary people, you know, Brian goes, what did we do last night? Frazier. And Fraser just looks at us, shakes his head, presses play, and gets up and walks out of the room. And we heard... <laughs> That mix coming back out, and and then I was like, holy, yeah! I mean, it was just, it was like, it was heavy. Wow! And um, and then then I was bummed out big time. You were bummed out? Yeah, big time. Because then I was like, well, you know, nobody'll ever hear this, you know, because. He signed to Atlantic, and we were signed to Sony and oh. all that stuff. And and, um, and I was bummed out about it, because I was thinking that was just something that we had for just us. And, yeah. and he, goes, he goes, well, if you don't mind me, son, I think we should just leave it like that. And I said, well, Brian, Atlantic's not going to let you be on this record. Yeah. And he said, if they want another ACDC album, they will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, going to love that guy. Unbelievable. And Frazier had already mixed that for you before you guys woke up.
0: He had just done a a rough mix, but he ended up handing the mixing over. Uh, Kevin Shirley mixed that record.
1: Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And Mike, we had Mike on the show and we actually asked him about his most favorite bands he's worked with of all time. And he mentioned how much fun it was working with the guys at Jackal.
0: I got a phone call that that Mike Frazier was going to come to Dallas, Texas and mix a national live radio broadcast we were going to do on some big syndicated radio thing that was going out. And we were all excited because Frazier was going to come in and mix it because we'd only heard his name on all those big records. Right. You know, Aerosmith, Metallica, and ACDC, just all this stuff. So he comes in, and he just had a little overnight attaché bag. And he comes in, he sits down in the control room at the gig, uh, a mobile truck. And I asked him, I said, You want a beer? And he goes, Oh, no, I can't drink while I'm working. And I looked at him and I said, Mike, please, God, don't mix us. I said, Please don't mix us sober. I I, I, I said, Please, whatever you do, don't mix us sober. And he looked at me and said, What? And I said, Please, God. So I went and got him a a cooler with a six pack of, uh, of Pat's blue ribbon and, <laughs> and, uh, set him up in a little, little styrofoam cooler and set him up with that before we hit the stage. And, and so we got through playing that night. We had a great show and he was hanging on the bus with us and it was time for us to go to the next town. And I said, he'll go with us. And he went, okay. Wow. So, wow. so we shut the door of the bus and he went and about two weeks later, he was still out on the road with us. Wow. <laughs> And and I got a phone call saying, "Is Mike Fraser still out with Jackal?" I said, yeah, he's still out here was. And they said, "Well, they said that he's late for a session. He had, like he was doing something with like a he was doing something with Iron Maiden or something." So we had to take him to Walmart to buy a big suitcase. Because when he left, he had radio station T-shirts and he had <laughs> he just had all this stuff he had accumulated from being out with us for the couple of weeks. Because he came he didn't come bring, he didn't bring any clothes out. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, so that was our introduction to Frazier, and then he came back out on the road with us uh, when we were out with Aerosmith and stuff. And well, I got I, we got pictures of him in his underwear on a stripper pole, so.
1: Wow. So he's going to have to produce all of your albums from now on.
0: I wish. We love Frazier and we love Kevin Shirley. and Yeah. You know, just, uh, um, and uh, of course, Brendan O'Brien, who I was proud that, you know, Brendan did our first album and, and I'd, I'd lobbied quite a bit, you know, d- anytime I was around the ACDC guys, I was talking up uh, Brendan, you know, and... Um, oh, no kidding.
1: And I remember in Daytona in 1997, it was the opening night of... Cut the Crap tour, and out comes Brian Johnson to play with Jackal, belting out not only I Stand Alone and Locked and Loaded, the new duet with, uh, with you and Brian, and then he proceeds to play ACDC's Back in Black, Shoot to Thrill, and to top it all off, he comes out brandishing a chainsaw during your encore. How amazing was that?
0: Oh, that was a, a thrill of a lifetime, you know. And, and and the cool thing, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. You can find it. Right. You know, from that fans that fans have put up. There.
1: I had a bootleg of that CD. It was a—I can't remember where I got it, but uh, I was so glad that a member from ACDC was actually having fun outside of
0: ACDC because you don't see that very often. Well, you know, Brian invited me to come up to the studio when they were in Vancouver when they were doing the Black Ice album, and you know, for me again is growing up camping out for their concert tickets to be, you know, to be in the studio while they're laying down tracks and stuff. You know, what what an honor for them to take me into their confidence like that and. But to be able to hang around Cliff and, you know, Cliff is a brother and a great guy and just, a, just a, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's just a real guy, you know. And, and and Malcolm and Angus were, you know, God rest Malcolm, you know, because, I mean, he was just what, what a force. Right. I'll tell you, this is ACDC for me. Brian called me and said, we're playing a big industry thing. It's just for the Wheel Warner Warner Electra distribution record company uh, party. Yeah. There were a bunch of other major artists that performed. For this room full of suits, if you will, right for all the record company guys and everything. Yeah, it was just all record label people in this room, maybe three hundred people in a conference room at like the Ritz Carlton or something. Wow! And ACDC surprised all of them and and came out at the very end of the night and played about thirty minutes. Wow! The place they the the people just lost their mind. I imagine. And it was a great performance. And then we bolted through the kitchen and down the service elevator to scoot out the back door and the tour bus was supposed to be there waiting on them but we bolted out the back door and the tour bus had been blocked it was not able to get down in there just yet but there were a good deal of probably 20 30 fans that had heard about this and they were there outside that door with their albums to be signed and all that kind of stuff of course and we basically walked out that back door right into that (laughs) (laughs) and and there wasn't there wasn't security to speak of. You know, there was just the road manager, Tim, you know. Yeah. Big guy, but super sweet and, and gentle felt. Big, tall dude. And we go right out into that. And I really took note that the guys just, they were not flapped by it. They, they you know, they, they just, as soon as they realized what was up, they just took pictures. They signed stuff um, and laughed. Yeah. And they gave everybody their minute. And then the bus the bus pulled up. And the road manager said, "Okay, guys, we got to go." You know, and that's the mark of guys that are that are deservingly the the legends and the heroes, right?
1: Oh, totally. And I've been a part of that uh, out back waiting for them, and they do. They'll stand there and sign the whole night if they have to. They're just they know where they come from, and they really respect their fans. And
0: oh yeah, yeah, just uh, just what, what an inspiration, you know.
1: When you went to Vancouver, not many people have been in the inner sanctum watching these guys perform. And they're trying to figure out what the magic formula is, but I'm sure you discovered, like everyone else, the simple formula is ACDC. Is no tricks. It's just them. There's no magic, is there?
0: We celebrate the fundamentals of rock and roll, and that's two guitar, bass, drums, chainsaw, if you will, or Angus's little uh, schoolboy <laughs> outfit, or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. And that's what rock and roll was built on. Rock and roll, we'll leave it to Bono and Springsteen to write a song that can cure cancer. Otherwise, (laughs) the rest of us go back to the days of, you know, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, you know, the the rock and roll that stimulated the young teenager's glands and, um, you know, and set the benchmark. (laughs) And uh, so you celebrate the fundamentals of rock and roll every night. And if you do it right, you can tell you do it right because the crowd gets so worked up. They can't even make it home before they pull the car over, jump in the back seat and knock out the old dirty, dirty. Right. And uh, that's that's what it's about. And and I I generally find that people that don't understand what celebrating the fundamentals of rock and roll is all about, those people that try to overanalyze or look for critical acclaim or whatever, those are generally the same people that have a hard time admitting that they masturbate. (laughs)
1: well said i couldn't have said that better thank you i I, you had a funny story about cliff and brian coming to your house and putting them up in a particular place within your home do you remember that story
0: oh they 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 came up and stayed for a couple of days cliff stayed in the guest bedroom and because i've got three kids i got i got i got two daughters and a son and then brian stayed in my daughter's room so I went back to check on him to make sure he needed anything before, you know, we we crashed out, and he was getting everything, you know, he was putting his suitcase, and everything in the room, and and then it dawned on me that here's the lead singer of ACDC crawling into a pink bedspread with a Winnie the Pooh mural <laughs> on the wall behind him, and uh, and and he looks up at me and he goes, "I'll find me son," you know, but he just uh, he. Uh, you know, he just—he's so humble. And uh, but but I, yeah, I thought if you'd have told me when I camped out for two nights for back in black tickets that he was going to be sleeping in my young daughter's bed with a Winnie <laughs> the Pooh mural on the wall, I would have just—I would have just lost it. You know, <laughs> so that's one of the—that's the most bothers thing you could have ever imagined, right? But uh, but it, should, it speaks to how humble he is, and and um, and he's just one of the guys. You know, but one of the funniest things was he came down and he was holding the to- I had a wooden toilet seat and he comes down, he's holding the toilet seat, and it's in two pieces. He goes, I had a good one, me son. but the, 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 the wooden toilet seat is broke. But no, he's just, he just one of the guys. You know? He can be as serious as it is. He can be as, as, as vicious and, and, and fierce on stage as, as you can imagine. And, he can also look over and tell you a joke or ask you to pull his finger, you know? Uh, he's just, um, you know, he's just he's just one of the guys. One of the
1: things that we love about uh, your band is your selection of cover songs from I Am the Walrus to We're an American Band, cover of The Rolling Stone, Mercedes-Benz, all super fun performances. And let's not forget about It's Tricky with DMC, who, who's also been a guest on our show, who's a fellow lover of all things ACDC. But hands down... Our favorite cover that Jackal tackles is Everyone's a Winner, which is a dead giveaway that you grew up in the 70s, but you obviously embraced that era. What what a great job you did on that.
0: It's only been recently that I some people bring it to my attention of what the streaming numbers on that that the, our version our version of that song is the streaming numbers are really strong compared to the other stuff that we have and, and uh, I mean I grew up loving that song but I, we recorded it and to be honest with you I kind of forgot about it but yeah it's kind of taken on a life of its own you know I love all that stuff like uh, my new hang up is uh, the Temptations standing on shaky ground. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's a great one.
0: I'm standing shake shaky ground. Yeah, that's actually a great song.
1: I wanted to say, you also did a mighty fine job covering the Bon Scott era, including ACDC's Highway to Hell and Live Wire, showcasing your vocal ability to be a hybrid between Bon and Brian, actually.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, well, I just, I just, uh, pay in tribute, you know, um, well, you know, with Bon is, a. Uh... Bon is just such a unique voice and Brian, you know, they they, they both give each other value, right? Right, right.
1: Brian was down for the count for Rock Her Blast. What would you have done if Angus actually called you and said, hey, can you fill in for this?
0: To be honest with you, I was there, I was with Brian the, the last show they played together. I was in Missouri with him the night that Brian was gonna have to take a break. And so I'm not gonna speak about all of that, uh, as far as all of that time, because it's stopped my place to, but but I never could fathom that Brian's not the lead singer of ACDC and, and I just, as long as he's living and breathing and walking and talking, I just I I have a hard time accepting anybody else to do it. If Brian was to look at me and say, "Hey, will you come help me wash my car, or will you help me do something, <laughs> whatever it is," then I would I would do any I I'll do anything for Brian. He's been that kind of a friend to me, and I I'd, I I'd, I'd walk on hot coals for him. But I had no delusions of grandeur that 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 I would be stepping in to try to fill his shoes, you know. Um, and I didn't. I don't like the idea of anybody trying to fill his shoes. I don't think anybody past filled issues, can fill issues, And I, I wasn't really, I wasn't personally a fan of Axel singing with him, although I respect Axel. He's, he's a great, a great singer, you know, just being a, a purist, if you will. I just, I love, I love yeah. Brian with ACDC, but you know, I love the guys and uh, you know, I love the, what they all collectively are. And uh, I support them, you know, collectively and, and I'm glad Brian's back where he should be. And the world's back in the world's spinning at a normal pace now <laughs> yeah.
1: well said we, we couldn't agree with you more. Well, um, from turning in one of the most acclaimed performances at Woodstock in '94 to starring in a reality TV show Full throttle Saloon and launching a whole line of Jesse James spirits, you very well may be the most driven frontman in the history of rock and roll, yes
0: I wake up every day with an anxiety attack <laughs> jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds healthy. <laughs> well, I, no, I but I seriously, I open my eyes, and I seriously suffer a major anxiety every single morning because I think to myself, oh, my God, that's all been a dream, and I've actually got to go pour concrete today. Oh, wow. And and yeah. as soon as I realize that it hasn't been a dream, then I have no choice but to wake up and take as big a bite out of life ass as I can. And I get, I've gotten away with so much you know, I, and I'm continuing to get yeah. away with so much, whether it be the whiskey or consulting Harley Davidson Motor Company or or the working with the VFW Veterans of Foreign Wars organization or partnering with Mike Ballard in the Full Throttle Saloons, Pappy Oil Campground in Sturgis, and the, you know, the, the one of the seven wonders of the world up there in Sturgis, whether it be Um, you know, just everything that, that I've I've been able to do, it just, God am I, I can't believe I get away with it. And, and I'm not going to stop long enough to even think about it. I'm just going to just keep getting away with stuff and keep adding stuff to the list. If I die and I haven't performed one open heart surgery, I'll be disappointed. (laughs) 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 Well, you know,
1: Greg and I, we were actually at Sturgis filming for Twisted Tea, which is one of our all time favorite clients. Yes. Greg and I actually have paying jobs, where we direct and produce TV commercials, and we were so very fortunate to acquire the rights to use ACDC's TNT for their ad campaign. And we also stuck our good buddy and Twisted Tea ambassador, Billy Grotto, as the driver of all these commercials, who, as you know, is a staple at Sturgis. And it was Billy G who said, you got to check out Jesse and Michael Ballard's place, Full Throttle. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's a great place. So shout out to Billy for that.
0: Yeah, Billy's a good dude. Billy's a rock and roll dude, yeah.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah. So we went to the largest bar, the world's largest biker bar. It was the 75th anniversary. And I have to tell you, it was something right out of a demented Hollywood circus. It, It was like it had a burnout pit. A tattoo parlor, zip lines, a wrestling ring, cage dancers. Uh, was it a school bus or a tractor trailer?
0: on a telephone pole with flames. Yeah, the tractor trailer coming out of the wall. Yeah, it's beyond Thunderdome for people who love badass motorcycles, <laughs> beautiful women, beautiful women, and, 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 and a cold belly washer, which happens to be Jesse James Bourbon.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was hands down the best bar I've ever gone to, and I watched Jackal perform that night on the truss bridge that's out there, a full-size truss bridge. Well, sadly, right after that, um, a massive fire destroyed everything. Just days later, so that was pretty devastating, man.
0: Yeah, the um, the fire did, but we've rebuilt. We're on six hundred acres now, and it's um, it's just wow. an amazing facility. That's awesome.
1: Well, Jesse, as you know, ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a show where we talk to everyone from CEOs to classical musicians, tattoo artists to tribute bands and rappers to wrestlers, and of course, rockers like yourself. But we're here to find out the secret sauce behind one of the biggest bands on the planet. What is your explanation of how ACDC has been so influential to so many of us around the globe in so many different ways?
0: Just the honesty of what they do. And again, they're nothing but what they are. They are the definition of celebrating the fundamentals of rock and roll. And they took everything rock and roll was built on from the Chuck Berry days and Little Richard and, and, and all those fundamental you know, basic uh, beginnings of rock and roll. And they, they just, they, they play the same, the same brand of rock and roll. They just do it at 11. Yeah. yeah. They they just, they just figured out how to do that a little bit louder than everybody else. And, and then I guess the other thing is, is the value of space. They know what not to play. Oh, I love that. You know, there's a lot of great people out there that can play everything, but it's there's, there's only the geniuses that know what not to play
1: well jesse thank you so much for joining us with your friends at acdc beyond the thunder tell us where we can go for all things jesse james dupree including the excellent new release celebrating 30 years of jackal
0: coming in hot yeah we go to go to jackal.com and uh, we got some autograph cds that we actually uh the whole band just signed a week or so ago and you can grab the, the CDs there or you can you download it or stream it at every uh, platform that's out there from itunes to spotify to you name it and um and then you can check out jesse james dupree on instagram or jackal official on d- instagram or facebook and and uh, come see a show nice
1: any uh future predictions for acdc as they edge towards their
0: 50th year you know i, I don't have any predictions i just have wishes and that is I, I wish i could see them back out there doing it again real soon absolutely yeah you're not alone
1: well, we got one final question for you, Jesse, uh, that we ask all of our contestants. So if you had one word to describe ACDC, what would yours be?
0: Rock and roll. Well, that's just two words. <laughs> but how about this? How about, how about this? How about this rock? ACDC Beyond
1: the Thunder theme song, trailer trash written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Kiel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast. All rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation.
0: But Nanu, Na
1: This season, there's something we wanted to talk to all of our ACDC Beyond the Thunder listeners about that's really important to us. As you know, what we do here is free of advertisements, so there's no revenue stream coming into this show. This is strictly a passion project. But if you enjoy the program and you believe in what we're doing, We're asking to donate what you can to each episode of ACDC Beyond the Thunder podcast. By doing so, you contribute to making dreams come true through the Make-A-Wish and Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Foundations, and 100% of those profits go directly to these deserving causes. How can you help? Simply go to beyondthethunder.com and hit the charity button before or after listening to each episode, and that's it. Even if you give $1, $2, $5, Greg, Eric, and I would be so thankful and we salute the ACDC Beyond the Thunder community for leaning in. That's beyondthethunder.com.